HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Wisconsin, the state of cheese, makes half of the nation's specialty cheese and wins more awards than any other state or country. Our heritage and traditions master cheesemaker program, and the American propensity for innovation all put Wisconsin on the cutting wedge of cheesemaking. With over 600 varieties of cheese to choose from and 5,500 national and international awards and counting, get ready to turn your refrigerator into a trophy case. Enjoying a Wisconsin cheese is basically like winning a gold medal in culinary achievement. Set your mind at cheese. When you bite into a wedge of Wisconsin Wonderful, you know it is made with the ultimate skill and passion possible. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. I'm Lou Bank. I am Chapter Ivan. And this is Agave Road Trip, the award-winning critically acclaimed podcast that helps bring experts to disperse understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. Correct. And today we're talking about it's not mezcal in a tear, which is how I read it. <laughs> because for me, like it's either tear or tearing a muscle. And th- those two are painful situations. I don't even understand what tear means. Uh, in in the context of uh, of economics, yeah, well, it's on a tear means that you're doing really well. But now you're asking me like the etymology of where that no, comes no, from. No, 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 I'm just I just wanted to know what like, it meant. Well, yeah, it just means doing really well. It's on a but, tear. It's tearing up the. I think it, I um, think it goes back to like tearing up the pavement. I think, but I wouldn't swear to that. You know what? I'm gonna do a little deep diving, and then we'll throw that onto the episode page as a, a little note, so we have okay. a note. Grand. So okay. now I know a new expression in English, which is grand. And you found this word. Well, give us all the context because you sent this to me, and you wanted to make an episode about it. Yeah. So I get these emails. God, I think it's more than once a week from um, from Vine Pair. It's called VP Pro, and it's it's one of the best sources I've had lately for um, uh, uh, 
information and insights into the insights. adult beverage industry. Yeah. Okay, so no Kool-Aid, no no fruity loopy stuff, just adult beverage. Well, every once in a while they've got like the non-alcoholic stuff in there cuz that's, you know, that's part of the stuff that's on a tear in the uh, adult beverage industry. But yeah, you know, in essence. Um but okay. but so I I love it for that and then like I really I'm fascinated by the the people who put it together. And there's this whole thing where if you if you receive you you can sign up for free it doesn't cost anything right, mm -hmm. and uh, when you sign up, you get it weekly and there's like a little link in there in in each each of the emails that you receive and you can share that to get other people to sign up and when you get enough people signing up like initially they sent me I think a t-shirt and then I got a bag and I've been really pushing this on people oh yeah yeah I even went to the FedEx to pick up the the little pins that they sent you like yeah, the Negroni the, pins, and I don't know what else. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. the little pins. And the next thing we get, if there are enough people who sign up using our link, it has to be uh -huh. our link. Yeah. But if they sign up using our link, if we get 100 people to sign up, and I think we're at like 24 or something now, 25, if we get 100 people to sign up, they have to do a Zoom call with us. Poor souls. And I know. And I like, I want to ship them little samples and like do the whole conversation with them. I want to have a conversation with these people. So, so there's that. Okay. Okay. But so, then I also yeah. like, they, they do mezcal content. I don't know, like every eh, two months, three months, but they had a really interesting article in this most recent, uh, recent newsletter is why I sent it to you. Which was 1 million cases of nine liters sold in a year or that, right. that, that was the threshold that mezcal was, had finally crossed. Right, which is sort of a misunderstanding because you and I both know that most mezcal comes in uh, six bottle uh, cases, which is four and a half liter, not uh, not in twelve bottle nine liter cases. But you know, I think the key is they're saying nine million liters, right? Yes. Is now what they're selling, which isn't that much higher than the latest Comer Cam uh, numbers that I saw back in like twenty twenty. Yeah, and, 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 it's, and it's super funny to me because, again, talking about misconceptions, I believe that people really think that Mezcal is this massive wave. Is this tsunami coming <laughs> into bars and Walmart and taking everybody's hearts and making the hipsters go crazy? But then you look at the numbers and it's not even the hipsters are pushing this. These are like the, how do you call someone that is ever more niche-oriented than the hipsters in your country? Like the uh. hipster of hipsters? I guess you would I'd go with hipster of hipsters. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but it's, I mean, it's super funny to me. I was having a conversation with a guy and uh, he was like, oh, you're in the mezcal contest. I'm like, yeah, sure. He's like, can you put together a list of 10 companies that are at $5 million a year at least? I know it's not much, <laughs> but uh, I have people that are interested in having a conversation with them. <laughs> I was like, I can, I can think, uh, and that are independently owned, right? And I was right. like, and I, I cannot think of one. Well, um, <laughs> well, I couldn't. I, you it know, took I, me a I, while. I, but um, yeah, like you know, as as I was looking through, because they included a uh, so the, so the, the story in, in VP Pro and Vine Pair Pro is based on a story that was in Schenken News Daily, and so they included mm -hmm. um, the graphic from Schenken that's the you know the, the top selling, best selling mezcal brands, and you know, and I would guess that the first couple are probably at five million, but. You know, to your point, 
it's not the guy you're talking to was like eh, the tiny ones i want to speak to the tiny ones yeah i, I, I want to find the golden nuggets that are still not identified and right. it's like you're talking about the copper nuggets that have been converted into little statues already right but but you know like i think i think it's also relevant to consider that it is small compared to tequila or any other expression right um mm-hmm. But it's growing so rapidly. And and that rapid growth, while it's easy for you to dismiss, like I can tell you when I was when I was in the when I was in the uh for the, the 13 months I did work at adult beverages back in 2002, 2003, and I was I was working at Rogue Ales in Portland, you know, I, I went to the trade conference for craft ales and yeah, we we literally sat down and had uh, lunch with the guy who runs Sam Adams. Uh, What's his name? Greg Coke, I think, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, and we, we were bemoaning the fact that craft beer at the time was five percent of the overall beer market. And now, I last time I checked, which was like five years ago, mm-hmm. craft beer was something like fifty or fifty-five percent of the market in the state of California. Yeah, but California is quite a uh, atypical space right i that's why yeah, i yeah. pointed I mean, out yeah, yeah, you know, but counts. again this was five years ago and hey not a bad market to have 55 percent of, of california right? frick no yeah so, and i think i think like yeah it does sound like i am uh sort of almost joking or like saying that this is not a big deal i think the only other thing in which i have precise experience or physical anecdotal experience is about avocados and if you look at <laughs> okay, the rise, okay. you know, if you look at the rise of avocados and the rise of mezcal, that graph looks shockingly similar. And if you think about avocado having the nickname the butter of the poor in Mexico, yeah. do you know that? I, you know, I, I heard that ages ago, and I don't know if it was you or another friend of mine who, is, who dabbled really? in avocado business. But yeah, it's shocking to me that that's the perspective because to me, avocado was just always amazing yeah but in mexico it was definitely if you didn't have money for butter you you will you will get avocado i mean i, well, I even yeah which, which which i get and i even like to me that makes it even more amazing because growing up to me avocado was just this thing that you could only ever use to make guacamole or as we like yeah. to call it guac oh lord yeah but even i mean i i mean second bizarre story related to that is in shanghai uh, the woman that arguably started bringing all the or importing all the foreign products, you know, like mate for the Argentinas are in China, uh, salsa Valentina, all kinds of weird stuff. They used to call her avocado lady because the first product <laughs> in which he, she cemented her emporio was avocado. She started bringing, and it's funny because in Chinese, and this is what they told me, I, I don't speak no right Chinese, so I might be absolutely wrong. So if anybody does that listen to this, please uh, tell me if I'm very wrong. Uh, Mandarin specifically, they told me that the, can, well, not, it's not kanji, but it was written, uh, like the literal translation was crocodile skin. Because of course they didn't know avocados uh, until not right. that long ago, so they had to come up with a with an idea of how to write that. So but, I mean, but, yeah, like I look at that graph, I look at mezcal, and it's like these products that used to be very cheap and now are fancy as hell. Well, hang on a second though, I want to back up to something that I think maybe you implied. Oh, are well. you are you suggesting that somehow avocado had more respect in Shanghai than it did in Mexico sooner? I, 
Like like it started abroad and then it made its way back home? Absolutely, yes. Yes, it is. So, uh, yeah, like, again, full disclosure, that is my family's business. Uh, that's what my family It's your has business. Been. It's your uh, business, Farmer Chava. No, hey, look, we're not having this discussion on the air. Uh, <laughs> we are not having this discussion on the air. So, I mean, at least two generations. Now I'm going to give myself the, the third generation. Um, so we, we've been there for a while and... Um, yeah, uh, actually, it, it used to be tremendously cheap. The other stories that my father tells were the highway of Periban, my town, were covered with waste avocados because it was cheaper to throw them away than to actually sell. Uh, and huh. they would just like throw it on the highway and wait them for, for them to rot outside of the huertas because if they rot inside your land, they could cause uh, sicknesses to the trees. So just on the highway. And uh, really what, what changed the whole situation was when NAFTA was, you know, NAFTA was such a bizarre moment. And I mm-hmm. somehow like almost emotionally remember those times, since even if I was very young, because it was a complete economical shift in Mexico. A bunch of stuff that was very valuable and that used to make a lot of money mm-hmm. got completely destroyed by NAFTA. Sure. Think about all, yeah, like... I mean, I, I can make a whole list of that. Bicycle tires. We know someone, uh, Tomas Nava Lancaster. His uh, oh. father used to do <laughs> bi- bicycle tires and with NAFTA got destroyed. And then wow. stuff that was uh, not allowed for exportation because it was a tit-for-tat agreement to in mm-hmm. the United States. Like avocados suddenly had a huge market that they just were not able to, to, to get into. And I don't know if mezcal, I think you were always able to export mezcal. But according to you, and as much as I disagree in many parts of your narrative, it was, I I really believe it was a lot of the foreign appreciation for the drink that changed a lot of minds here. Oh, no, that's actually what I've always said. I thought you were going to come at me from the other angle. Like I would, in, in my visits to Mexico City, it felt to me like Mexico City was reacting to foreigners coming in and asking it, it, for it was a combination of things. It was, it was, I really think it was a combined effort. Um, but what, what it's really interesting though is if you look at the growth of avocado, it was exponential, it was mm-hmm. really craziness. And I don't, I don't see that kind of absolutely insane. I mean, they say that it grows way faster than most categories. And that's what everybody I always listen speaking out the growth of mezcal is. It's growing like no other category ever. Yes, because it hasn't been around that long. And then, the, you know, so. <laughs> sort of, sort of. But, you know, I, I, I think there's also something to be said for the fact that uh, while it was around, I, I think it really comes down to one guy who was selling it. And you have your Ron Cooper story, and we did cover that on the secret yeah. origin of Mezcal. Yeah. But I'm actually even more interested about exactly the fact that you found this on Vinepair. <laughs> you know, like, you, you, did I found it or that it was in Vinepair well, Pro? That, that, Vinepair that, well, Pro. <laughs> yeah, that, that it was sent to you. Because I, it's it's... It's just that I mean, obviously, it's it's now on. I mean, it's 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 hot real estate for speculation, and we usually talk about this in the context of what is it going to mean for sustainability in Mexico? Mm-hmm. What is it? What is it going to mean about pressure? About changing recipes? About all these things, you know? So I think we usually come from a 
I mean, as much as it hurts me to say that from a protective standpoint, but uh, I think that that if we look it through the lens of uh, of, of Bimper and and think about how can this change drastically sort of the whole scene of alcohol because this is like a rascal that suddenly got invited into the school of of alcohol and it's bra- it's shifting things drastically don't you think so well y- yes and no it's funny i i think maybe the way that you read the headline is more appropriate mescal on a tear yeah. because i i do oh, think what <laughs> no I, I i thought you were going to say mescal like mescal is tearing things apart tearing things around or no like, like a tear like, like it's a tear sad. That's it's sad. Sad. <laughs> um and, and you know and, and and what i mean by that is uh yeah they invited the rascal in but the rascal is becoming like everybody else instead of changing everybody else well you know actually i'm, I'm, I'm gonna throw something in there because i don't think we're gonna do that episode ever i've decided that i don't want to do it like that so i'm gonna throw this comment in here because i think it's the only thing that i that, that i thought was interesting so you know i told you that um i, I was in bed the other day uh suffering from a excess of agave spirits and uh because my brain was not functioning correctly i decided to turn on the tv that's what i do when i'm hungover and i watched this show about uh mixologists on the mm-hmm. so are you familiar with these competitions on the on television where it's like make a really cool tattoo i think it's called like drink masters yeah. And one of the participants was uh, was extremely obsessed with with agave spirits, but I was annoyed a little bit because I mean this was funded uh, by a big company, and I was like, wow, this is going to be a grand opportunity to sort of talk about spirits and get nerdy about spirits. But because mm-hmm. it was funded by one company, they couldn't really do that. So it oh, was the whole the whole show was funded by a single by one company, yeah, by, by Bernard oh. Ricard. And again, like oh. it it nothing wrong with that but it's just like i i wanted to get more geeky about the sure. spirits themselves sure. i wanted like to hear more about what what kind of mezcal would you put into this kind of flavor profile by someone that that's what they've been doing for decades right like right. for me that was really interesting and that was absolutely not part of the show but uh i saw a pod, uh, i saw an instagram post uh by this woman that runs happy accents in i cannot pronounce this place Albert Quirky. <laughs> Albuquerque. Albuquerque. Uh, Albert Cookie. I don't know. The cookie place in New Mexico. We'll do a whole episode of you just trying to pronounce Albuquerque. Oh, Lord. Right. Anyway. Uh, anyway, so on her Instagram post, she mentions that that cocktail that, that she designed. And she's like, and I, I had to use Oaxacan based mezcal. But I will really encourage everybody to go and search for Bacanora, for, to search for, for Raicilla, to like go and find other agave spirits that give you uh, other flavor profiles that are not the Oaxacans ones. And that was very fascinating, no? Like it, boy, it, 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 it is. And while, huh, like I, I hate the idea that we're categorizing uh, Oaxaca as having one flavor. No, 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 but, no. I mean, I mean, but, 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 yeah, there, but there's, I'm, there's I'm no cohesion at all. I'm thrilled. There's no cohesion at all. But I'm thrilled that the conversation obviously is look beyond Oaxaca. Because yeah, I mean, as we're talking about this growth, and this is, you know, the message that we drum home time and again, I feel like, like if we're going to yeah, keep yeah, growing that, at this your... pace, we have to go beyond Oaxaca. So in that sense, I think that it's actually tearing or or that it's it's moving things 
in in a, in a way that it was not as expected. You know, like that that it's that it's really like the sensitive fiber that is touching works in a different direction than many other things. But I don't know if that's accurate. What? I don't yeah. Anyway. So <laughs> so then as I look at this, as I look at this, one of the other things that that you said to me earlier when we were considering the uh the leading mezcal brands in the US, that chart that they printed, was you didn't believe it. I I I I I didn't I don't. You don't. You I didn't do and not. you don't. So you know, it's a list of what is this? Six, one, two, three, four, five, six brands, and uh, in order, they've got depletions, which is in essence sales. It's not sell in, but sell through um, uh, at the uh, the the restaurant and store level. But so they they list them in order as uh, illegal, Delmagay, Banes, Casamigos, Montalobos, and four hundred Canejos. Yeah, I uh, like. Do do you do you think that's accurate? Well, here's the thing. I kind of love that I'm surprised by it. Well, right? that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. It's and, not. It's and, not that I'm saying they're lying. I just I didn't expect it like that. <laughs> right. Well, you know, for me, it always comes down to okay. So what's the source? And so I started looking at uh, their sources, which are NABCA and Impact Data Bank. And Impact Data Bank strikes me as like doing surveys, right? But NABCA is actually an association of the states, I think it's 13, it might be 11 states in the USA um, that are control states, meaning that the the distribution of alcohol is controlled by the state. And Mm. as a consequence, they have actual numbers. And if you go to the website of NAPCA, you can purchase for like $24 each, you can purchase like the sales numbers for every liquor brand in the state through the only mechanism that you can distribute in the state. And did you buy that? Of course you did. No. Oh, crazy. Lou, come on. But it's $24. Oh, hey, Lou, don't you start oh, yelling at me, guy who hey, steals yeah, yeah, all of his yeah. software. So, so I, but I, I, they had like one sample one that you can pull down that shows you how many bottles of Monte Alban were sold in North Carolina or one region in North Carolina um, and a couple other brands as well. And it, it, it's fascinating to see the sample, but I guess my point is just simply, I'm guessing that the way that, that Schenken News put together this list is by actually paying the money for all of these reports and then accumulating them and coming out with, with this list, which, again, like sh- strikes me as not the like if you asked me to sit down and put together the list of what i thought the best-selling brands would be you know there are some that would have been on here certainly del maguey certainly bonnez certainly casamigos um and actually and even montelobos but i wouldn't have guessed illegal or 400 conejos would have made that list well i wouldn't have guessed illegal was the number one Right. Like actually, well, so, actually yeah. like maybe if you gave me this and and like I will guess all those brands will be there. The order is the only one that is is the one that really. Oh, uh, I would have guessed like Dos Hombres would have been on there. Uh, yeah, really? yeah. Like and you know and and <laughs> off the top of my head, it's hard for me to think of brands that are cocktail brands. Um, but it feels to me like there are some names missing that I should see on this list. Yeah, like Amores, maybe. 
Well, there you go. Like, like Amaras. Uh, Amaras. Uh, maybe yeah. Sombra, but maybe like, I don't Oh, know. definitely Sombra. Thank yeah. you. Yes, that's exactly I mean, where my head was. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah. Like, uh, and again, like, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I mean, the one thing that we know at Mezcal is always counterintuitive. So everything that you mm -hmm. think you, you knew, uh, it's, it, it doesn't actually happen. But I'm, I'm not well, sure, Lou. Well, but here's the other piece of it, right? Is that you and I build this um, this picture in our heads of what that list would be based on going into bars and looking at what's in the back bar. Yeah. And so, right, it's 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 sort of the the whole story of we we all live in bubbles even when we don't recognize it. But Oh no, I recognize you live in a bubble. Like I have no problem. <laughs> I have no problem knowing and saying that. And you want me to stay in that bubble. But yes, but you know, it's it's so easy to just assume that what you see with your own eyes is what everybody sees and what the reality is. And in fact, like we don't know what's really selling in stores and we don't know what's really selling at a bar. Yeah. And it's also that we are going to all these more specialized places. And in the oh, end, there you I, go. I, I will, I will claim that I've 90% of the sales of this stuff, people didn't even knew what they had. You know, it's a it's a good point. As everybody in the USA seems to be talking about mezcal cocktails, you know, we we're not going into the Italian. Well, actually, I guess we did go to Olive Garden, but we're not going into a lot of like other kinds of restaurants to see what they're selling, and they could be moving an awful lot of uh, mezcal cocktails. Yeah. Well, Lou, are we, are we having a conclusion for this? Because I think yeah, I think the conclusion is everybody should go to the Agave Road Trip uh, webpage for this episode and sign up for Vine Pair Pro VP Pro through our link so that we can get a hundred people through our recommendations and we can finally sit down and have a Zoom call with them because I don't think they're going to give us the time of day before that happens. Okay, Lou, grand. Well, pleasure to see you. Adios, hasta pronto. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lou Bank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. A Gabby Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the Food 
world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends. And please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Eat responsibly too. And listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.